when the spirit takes hold, when the spirit takes hold. So David fled and escaped and came to Samuel to Ramah. You may put the reading back on the screen if you so want to do that at this time. And told him all that Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel went to dwell in Naioth. And it was told Saul, saying, Behold, David is at Naioth in Ramah. And Saul sent messengers to take David. And when they saw the company of the prophets prophesying, and Samuel standing as appointed over them, the Spirit of God was upon the messengers of Saul. And they also prophesied. Talking today when the Spirit takes hold. And when it was told Saul, he sent all the messengers. And they prophesied likewise. And Saul, not to be undone, sent messengers again, the what? Third time. And they what? Prophesied also. Then went he also to Ramah and came to a great well that is in Siku. And he asked and said, Where are Samuel and David? And one said, Behold, they be at Naioth in Ramah. And he went thither to Naioth in Ramah. And the Spirit of God was upon him also. And he went on, and what everybody? Prophesied. Until he came to Naioth in Ramah. And he stripped off his clothes also. And prophesied before Samuel in like manner. And lay down naked all that day. And what everybody? All night. Wherefore they say, is Saul also among the prophets? Father, come and speak this word when the Spirit takes hold. In the name of Jesus, let the saints say, Amen. David had done his thing. He had defeated Goliath. And Saul did not send him back home. Saul kept him in the palace. 
And David was there dutifully doing God's bidding in the palace. People got to like him. And because of what he did to Goliath, he rose in the ranks of the army. And Saul is watching him. And then the Malachites attacked Israel. In those days, the king went to fight. David and Saul go out and they battle the Amalekites and they slaughtered thousands. Upon their return, triumphantly riding their horses back to Israel, there were some singers, some women singers. And the singers were in two bands. Now you know I don't sing. That's because I try to spare you any agony. But I know a little bit about refrain. So one was singing one thing and then there was a response. And the women were singing as David and Saul were riding back victoriously. One group of singers were saying, was saying, and Saul has slain his thousands. And the other women responded, and David is what? Ten thousands. That got Saul mad. What? I am the king, and you're placing David before me? And he started with this position, David has to go. And sometimes when he was sad, David was a musician, would play the harp. And one time Saul got so mad that he took a javelin and threw it. And I read patriarchs and prophets in preparation for this message. And Ellen White says that David did not escape the javelin. It was an unseen angel that moved the javelin. That's why it did not kill David. Lesson for us is that sometimes we may think we run away from something because we are fast. But we must recognize that even in our human abilities, there is a God that looks out for us. And David escaped, talking to Saul's son, Jonathan. And Jonathan is pleading, I don't know why my father wants to kill you. And by the meantime, David is married to McCall, who is Saul's daughter. So he escapes the javelin, and then he goes to his wife. And she tells him, this is Saul's daughter, telling her husband David, my father's going to kill you. Now, I don't know about you, but if your wife is telling you something like that, you must escape. And she lets him down a window. And he flees. That night, Saul sent messengers to his daughter's house. And women can be very smart. She placed an idol in the bed. And she had some goats here 
at the top by the pillow with a cover. So when the messengers came, she told them David was sick. But in the meantime, David was already gone. But she knew her father. And so when she told them, the messengers went back to Saul and told them that David is sick in bed because they saw the image in the bed covered. And I want you to get the image before we get into the word as to where Saul is. So he tells the messengers, go back, get this now, go read it. First Samuel 19, go back and bring him in the bed. Lift the bed up and bring David in his sickness in the bed. But David had already gone. The messengers came back, found the image, the goats here, and they told Saul, he had it out with his daughter. Why would you do something like that against me? And she said, well, I, you know, I had to let him go. I had to tell him. So here is where we pick up the story. So Saul, having been rebuffed by David's escape, finds out where David is. He sends a group of messengers to kill David. That group gets there, but before you know it, the spirit took hold of them, and they started what? Prophesying. Word gets back to Saul. And Saul was so driven by envy and jealousy, instead of taking a cue and saying, maybe I need to step back, he pressed on. There's a term we use, we've been hearing quite frequently, double down. In politics, that's when somebody messes up, instead of apologizing, they go deeper. Saul sends another group of messengers. They come out, they are taken hold of by the spirit, and what do they do? They started what? Prophesying themselves. Word gets back to Saul, and what does he do? He sends yet a third group. I wonder, is that how it is sometimes with us? That God would place an obstacle, another obstacle, and another obstacle, and we are so determined to get to where we want to go. The third group is captured by the Spirit. When the Spirit takes hold of you, they start prophesying, word gets back to Saul, and Saul says, this is a job I got to do myself. And he gets out, gets his chariot, goes to Ramah. On his way, the Bible says, that before he gets there, <laughs> isn't God wonderful? Before he gets there, the Spirit captures him. And on the last leg of the journey, 
to Sukkot, the observatory, on the last leg of the journey, he starts to prophesy along the way. And when he gets there, he falls in line with the others. And he begins to prophesy also. The purpose of this message today is to simply tell us when all seems lost, God is able. Nayoth, by definition, simply means a dwelling place. And Rama, a high place. Siku, an observatory. So you have Saul pursuing David in Nayoth, the dwelling place, at Rama, the high place where people are observing the power of the Spirit. This is a difficult message to understand if we're not paying attention. Why? Because it presents a conundrum to us. Let us be honest. Normally, what we would have read before is that when God's Spirit comes upon individuals, it equips them with power to speak the will of God. Here, however, in this instance, the Spirit of God did not give Saul and his messengers power, but in fact, it robbed them of power. Think about it. The Spirit is normally given to equip us to carry out the will of God. But here in this story, the Spirit is given to prevent Saul from killing David. I want us to observe a few things about David in this story. Number one. David knew he was in trouble, and he took off running. Sometimes, we get into trouble, and we too take off running. But watch this. David ran to Ramah. David ran to Ramah, which means the high place, in Nioth, the dwelling place, and the place he ran to was significant in that instead of running to Bethlehem, that's where he was from, instead of going to his hometown, Instead of going to hook up with his homies, he went to the dwelling place of God. When we are running, the direction in which we are going will tell us who we are. Sometimes we are running, but we are going in the wrong direction. We are going to friends. We're going to a place where we can be comforted. We're going to a place maybe where people will tell us good things. 
David in Bethlehem would have heard how great he was. You know, sometimes we want people to commend us. If he had gone to Bethlehem, maybe they would have repeated to David, David, Saul has his thousands, but you got your ten thousands. They would make David feel good. But David knew when he was in trouble, he needed to go to God's dwelling place. He needs to go to a high place. This isn't the time to run to people who will simply tell you what you want to hear. Saul had decided that he had to do the job himself. David ran to a place of refuge. Question, to where do you run when you're in trouble? To where do you run when someone is after you? What is your place of refuge? I would imagine that David had an experience of fighting a lion. The Bible tells us he fought lions and he fought bears. And Saul also had some experience with lions. And when David's experience was with lions coming after the sheep, was that somebody had to kill the lion. Watch this. In this case, Saul is behaving like the lion. And watch what God does. God does not always kill the lion, but he makes the lion like a lamb. He took Saul and he reduced him to prophesying. This lion was now behaving like a lamb. When Balaam went to curse God's people and he was determined to cash in, to get the money, to do the cursing, God took hold of him and he began to speak blessings instead. When the spirit takes hold. But we have a conundrum because what about free choice? What about free will? As I was looking at this message, where does free will fit in? You mean God would go so far to take us and make us do what he wants us to do. That's what it says. These messengers went to seize David. But instead they were seized by God. When the messengers came into the congregation. Where David was among the prophets. The spirit took hold upon them. And they prophesied. 
they joined with the rest in praising God. Instead of seizing David, they themselves were seized. I say hallelujah. Instead of seizing David, they went as messengers to capture David, to kill him. Saul would have been happy with them just bringing back David's head. But when they went on a mission, instead of seizing David, they were seized by God. I wonder how many times has God seized people who were coming to destroy us? Instead of placing David under their control, they were under the control of David's God. That to me is powerful. That somebody would have the audacity to think they can do to you whatever they want, not recognizing you serve a God and you know where to run to. So when they come, instead of them being lions, God turned them into lambs. The bad thing they came to do, they could not do while under the control of the spirit that took hold of them. Let's not think of these three groups of messengers. Let's not think of Saul because this message would be meaningless if we restrict the application to them. Question, what if God wanted to seize me? What if God wanted to seize you when you were about to do something destructive? Would he have been successful? Would he have been success successful when the Spirit takes hold of you? It seems that you cannot carry out your destructive work on the child of God. This week, I met a lady who paid some money. I didn't ask her how much. But she went to one of those, what do you call this? Uh, you've never been readers, a psychic? Okay. She went to one of those readers. And the reader told her that her son's fiance is trying to kill her. And then she, she had to do some things with candles and do this and do that. And, you know, and God said, just, just share Psalm 91 with her. And I began to recite, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide on the shadow of the Almighty. I will see of the Lord. He is what? My refuge huge my fortress my God in him will I trust surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence share this psalm with her and I just came to imagine how sometimes people can be afraid of the devil only because they don't know God and Saul should have known better Saul should have known better because Saul was very familiar with what God would bail him. And when God took hold of Saul, the Bible says that Saul 
took off his clothes. Now, I have to give you what this actually means. Matthew Henry, in his commentary, he says, he stripped off his royal robe and wore like halibaments. Halibaments, a new word, which means vestures. Because they were either too fine or too heavy for this service. Question, what vestures do you have to take off so that God's Spirit can control you? This passage in 1 Samuel 19 creates a problem because of 1 Samuel chapter 10. I will read what it says, verse 6 through 11. Remember 1 Samuel 10 comes before 1 Samuel 19. Are you with me? And the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy with them, and shall be turned into another man. And, and let it be, when these signs are come unto thee, that thou do as occasion serve thee, for God is with thee. And thou shalt go down before me to Gilgal, and behold, I will come down unto thee to offer burnt offerings and to sacrifice sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days shalt thou tarry till I come to thee and show thee what thou shalt do. Verse 9, And it was so that when he turned his back to go from Samuel, God gave him another heart. Do you know who we're talking about? Saul. This is 1 Samuel 10. Follow me. And it was so that when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, God gave him another heart. And all those signs came to pass that day. And when they came thither to the hill, behold, a company of prophets met them, and the Spirit of God came upon him. And what? He what? prophesied among them, and it came to pass when all that knew him before time saw that, behold, he prophesied among the prophets. Then the people said to one another, what is this that is come unto the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets. The same question is asked in 1 Samuel 19. But the conundrum is this. The Bible said, we just read, that Samuel came to anoint Saul to say, you'll be the next king of Israel. And the Bible says, God's spirit came upon him and he began to prophesy. He was prophesying then, 
when he was going to do God's will and he was prophesying now when he was going to do his will. Don't miss it. It's a problem. Because on the one hand, God was preparing him for a work and God gave him the spirit and he began to prophesy. God intent, God delivered God's will. Here he is prophesying, but he was going to do something destructive. Well, I looked at it, and this is what God laid upon me. I don't know about you, but we got to love this God we serve. That God can give us his spirit when the spirit takes hold in preparation. And God can give us his spirit in prevention. So the same spirit that prepares is the same spirit that prevents. So you and I must figure out for ourselves, is God preparing me or is God preventing me? Ellen White had some very interesting things to say as I wind down this message. Patriarchs and prophets. For those not familiar online with Ellen G. White, we consider her to be an inspired writer. And here's what she says, page 653. The messengers went on their way Intent upon taking David's life, but one greater than Saul controlled them. Let me say that again. Translation, somebody may come intent on doing you harm, but one greater than the devil controls them. One greater than Saul control them. They were met by unseen angels. As Balaam, when he was on his way to curse Israel, they began to utter prophetic sayings of what would occur in the future and proclaim the glory and majesty of Jehovah. In other words, Saul was not just babbling. He was talking about the glory of the God he didn't serve. Thus God overruled the wrath of man and manifested his power to resist evil while he walled in his servant by a guard of angels. In other words, here was David in the dwelling place, in the most high place, and Ellen White says, God had a retinue of angels surrounding David that they couldn't get to him. Couldn't get to him. And finally, here's what she says. Saul is on his way. 
But an angel of God met him on the way and controlled him. The Spirit of God held him in its power, and he went forward uttering praise to God, interspersed with predictions and sacred melodies. The man was singing sacred melodies. He's on his way. He prophesied of the coming Messiah while under the influence of the Spirit. When the Spirit takes hold, you're going to say what God wants you to say. He prophesied of the coming Messiah as the world redeemer. When he came to the prophet's home in Ramah, he laid aside the outer garments that betokened his rank. And all day and all night he lay before Samuel and his pupils under the influence of the divine spirit. The people were drawn together to witness this strange scene. And the experience of the king was reported far and wide. Thus again, near the close of his reign, it became a proverb in Israel, which we just read in 1 Samuel 10. Was the proverb, is Saul also among the prophets? When God takes hold of you, it's a simple question today. Is it for preparation or is it for prevention? You can decide that. By saying, willingly, God, give me your spirit to prepare me for the work I need to do. The reason it is for prevention, because Saul was, was on his way to do something diabolic and destructive. So if the spirit takes hold of you, I believe it's wonderful when God is preparing you for a work you need to do. Play something for us here, sir. When the Spirit takes hold, it seems that God in his infinite love and mercy to protect David was going to control Saul. I don't know who are the Sauls in your life, but I know this. If you know where to run to, when you're in trouble, God got you. And the message that this tells us is that in 1 Samuel 10, Saul was anointed and he was prepared for, to be king. But by the time we came to 19, he wanted nothing to do with God. He was obsessed in remaining king. And God says in his final act, and I couldn't let us escape us this morning. As he was going, that kingly robe that you're wearing is going to come off. You're no longer going to be king. You may not want to take it off, but I, when you're under my control, you're going to take off your robe, you're going to roll around, you're going to sing, and you're going to talk about the coming Messiah. What robes do we have to take off today so that God can use us? Don't let us be like Saul, going after the destruction of anyone where God has to let his spirit take hold to prevent. But let us be like Saul in chapter 10 of 1 Samuel where God's spirit taking hold 
was simply to prepare. Is God's Spirit preparing you today or preventing you? I trust my brothers and sisters that when we hear someone being praised, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands, we will say thank you God for what you allow us to do and let us celebrate what another person has done. Envy and jealousy, just as they took hold of Saul, sometimes takes, take hold of us. And instead of doing God's will, we want to remain in power. Father in heaven, we can see that the Spirit can take hold. But what is your Spirit taking hold of us today? Is it to prevent because we're on the road to destruction? Or is it to prepare? You're God and you're sovereign. You can do what you want, when you want, how you want, to whom you want, with whom you want. You are God. We don't know why sometimes you don't prevent. We don't know sometimes why you allow people to die in their sins. But we thank you for this word, for this lesson that we can choose to allow the Spirit to take hold so we may be prepared. Because if we are strong on going to destroy, just maybe the Spirit has to take hold to prevent. Thank you, Father, for your spirit. May he take hold of us today. In Jesus' name, let the saints all say, Amen.